This is the waves. 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 Welcome to the waves. Slate's podcast about gender, feminism, and keeping enough food and bandages around for everyone. Every episode, you get a new pair of women to talk about the thing we can't get off our minds. Today, you've got me, Rebecca Onion, a staff writer for Slate. And me, Lily Lusborough, also a staff writer for Slate. Today, we're going to talk about prepping, which I loosely define in my mind as the practice of thinking ahead to possible catastrophe, whether that be in the nation, in the world, or in your household, and trying to have the right stuff around to face it, whether that be physical objects or education, mindset, what have you. Now, the occasion for this episode is a wonderful piece that Lily wrote for Slate on a schism on a prepper Reddit board. Now, the stereotypical prepper is probably still maybe an arm-to-the-teeth white man whose private property you would not want to stumble upon by mistake. But in 2022, the idea of being prepared is not confined to that demographic. I got into thinking about prepping through my science fiction fandom. I read a lot of science fiction as relaxation, and for a while I really liked the post-apocalyptic subgenre. My child was born on Trump's inauguration day in early 2017, and right around that time I lost any taste I had for post-apocalyptic fiction, which suddenly felt way too real. I still keep a lot of food and emergency supplies around, and it's very present in my mind. Now, for all these reasons, I was so interested to read Lily's new piece on Slate, which is about uh, a major split between people who use Reddit's R Preppers board. But Lily, first, before we talk about that, I want to know why you're interested in this topic to begin with. Now, why were you looking at R Preppers, and how does the topic relate to your life? I reported a story back in 2019 about, I guess I'm going to call them provisional evacuees during fire season here in California. So this is people who were forced to evacuate and were living for a few days in shelters until they were, you know, hopefully given the all clear to return to their homes. And in the course of like that particular fire season, my partner had suggested to me that we pack a go bag too, right? So I was like, okay. So I did. Well, and just to clarify, Lily, you live in the in the Bay Area, right? I do. I live in the Bay Area. Oakland has burned and will probably burn again. I don't know. I had kind of an abstract idea of what a go bag was, I guess. <laughs> so I was really proud of how practical I had been. I had like this multi-tool, <laughs> water purifying tablets. The point is... All of it fit in a small backpack, so I was feeling really smug and like, I got this. And so I showed him, and he said, that's all you want to save from our life if everything burns down? <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> like I, I just realized, like, oh, I really misunderstood the assignment. It was the first time I really realized that there are multiple definitions of prepping. I didn't start following prepper discussions forums because of that exactly. I just tend to like, I like seeing how people talk and think. But anyway, the prepper forum specifically, which is our prepper, really follows the broad outlines of the kind of dude that you were describing, right? So there are a lot of posts about guns and hoarding and how to hide what you have from your neighbors. It's not all like that. They're not all like lone wolf fantasies about surviving in some kind of Mad Max universe. Like, I mean, there are very reasonable discussions about things like canning and gardening. But that doesn't change the fact that there is a heavy masculine tilt 
And I'm trying to be fair because it's just not all like that, but there is a, there is a heavy vein. So what happened recently in that forum <laughs> is that it kind of went through two explosions. So one is that the Russian invasion of Ukraine brought on like a bunch of questions about nuclear apocalypse. The second was a kind of developing schism between male and female preppers specifically. That conversation has been really fascinating to observe and is really radically redefining what prepping means. Today we're going to get into the question of what prepping even is and whether it's gendered now in the way it may have seemed to be in years past. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, Waves listeners. If you're loving the show and want to hear more, subscribe to our feed. New episodes come out every Thursday morning. And while you're there, check out our other episodes, too, like last week's about the show Bridgerton and their romance genre. Lily, let's talk about what you saw on the Reddit board. What was the major point of divergence between these two groups? Okay, so it started back in February with a post on the Preppers subreddit that was written by a female user, and she was complaining in a jokey sort of way about how like aggressively gendered all of the survivalist equipment and gear tends to be. So it was just kind of a lighthearted post. But what was interesting was that in the comments, the comments kind of (laughs) started to build this interesting momentum as women started comparing notes with each other about how that felt. And some women started talking about other gendered aspects of their experience in prepping that they found kind of exclusionary. So some mentioned that they had had posts about things that were specific to female survival, like birth control, like plan B, taken down from the prepper subreddit. And this caused a certain amount of shock as, you know, it's because it's hard, kind of hard to tell when a post disappears. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the sort of thing that has to be actively discussed. So that discussion started to snowball. So other female users said that they'd remembered seeing that one user's post and how much engagement it had gotten actually before somehow it vanished. Outrage started to build. Moderators jumped in and they said that they certainly didn't approve of abolishing any discussion of women's issues. They could find no record of this happening. And so what you can see in that thread is just like moderators getting increasingly skeptical, male users saying, well, does anybody have proof? And female users who remembered it happening. Oh, interesting dynamic. Right. Yeah. You know, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) we have seen that before. And in the middle of all of that, a female user announced that she had just started a new forum. She said, I have just started two ex-preppers and it will be a forum dedicated to discussing prepping from a female perspective. And this is the beginning of what I'm kind of jokingly calling the schism. (laughs) I don't know how accurate that is. I mean, I think there's actually a fair amount of goodwill (laughs) between the two communities, but this, this really did turn into a slight secessionist movement from preppers for women into this 2x prepper subreddit. Which, by the way, also explicitly said they're not TERFs. 
They do. <laughs> In the, uh, they're not they're not trans exclusionary, despite the name, according to them. Yes, <laughs> it should be said. According to them, they are not. Yeah, they are not trans exclusionary, um, nor are they keeping men out. They're at this very moment involved in a very intense kind of like internal fight over what level of participation men should be allowed to have. But the point is, um, the concerns that the women raised turned out to be warranted. Proof eventually did emerge that posts about birth control and other related matters had been reported and removed in the Prepper subreddit. And that moderators at Preppers had refused to reinstate them when female users had appealed. So there's this like a screenshot that that one woman posted of her appeal. And a moderator says, the report button is there for a reason. And if so many members reported your post that it got removed, then I would have to say that the community has spoken. The moderators at our Preppers, the original subreddit, have acknowledged this and they're kind of working on trying to fix it. But more interesting to me has been watching how the 2X Preppers subreddit has been growing and developing. So at this point, it has about 8,500 users. And from the get-go, it was clear that the conversations there were going to differ pretty substantially from how the original subreddit was talking about prepping. So for example, one of the earliest posts is called a fuck-off fund, the most important female prep. This is like the money that my grandma used to take with her on a date. So like, yeah, it's like the ta- the good night fund, she used to call it. Yeah. She would take a couple dollars for the taxi um, if she didn't want to stay. <laughs> But yeah, so the advice was basically that women need to maintain the financial wherewithal to get out of bad situations and, and, you know, domestic violence or relationships that have gone bad. And so there are posts that are emphasizing the need for financial literacy. You know, they say like one person says it is not safe to not have access or know the password to your accounts or how to access all of the money that you both have if you are married. If your husband is investing in Bitcoin, you need to know how much. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) That's so funny. You know, like that stuff just doesn't fit (laughs) the traditional understanding of prepping, right? Like it's not presuming an apocalyptic event or a natural disaster, right? Just like the very idea of, so when, could you say mainline preppers or like traditional preppers, original pre- original flavor preppers um, would talk about shit hits the fan, that we should say they're talking about like a delineating event that comes down in between like their regular world and the rest of the world. So like they like stuff like um, like a nuclear strike or a major like financial crash that makes the financial world no longer function or... Um, like an electromagnetic pulse attack that like kills all the electronics in the world, like those kinds of dramatic events. But this is something like more personal, like something that's happening in a person's life. Exactly. Like it's not about system collapse. It's about situational collapse. (laughs) So there are plenty of posts that fit that definition, like ranging from tips on how to live without refrigeration to like doing laundry without a washing machine to how to acquire plan B and birth control, how to tend to miscarriages and take care of UTIs, which I hadn't thought about this. But of course, if you don't have antibiotics, they can become life-threatening if they're left untreated. Yeah. You're like out in the fields trying to gather a plant you remember from watching Outlander like five years before (laughs) that could possibly work. That's what I always imagine. Oh my God. Now, of course, I have purchased a Medicinal Plants of Southeastern Ohio book. So more likely I'd be like frantically searching through it in February where there's like that thing is not growing anywhere. Yes. (laughs) And you're making like double decoctions of like herbs. Yes. 
Amazing. Right, like hoping against hope that maybe something will work. I'm curious about the birth control and plan B thing. Is there any understanding of why the original mainline male prepper community was like not wanting that post? Was it because it was too female? I mean, is there any explanation, I guess? Is it because the, their community has some sort of like feeling like, oh, after the shit hits the fan, everyone's going to need to reproduce? And so we shouldn't be thinking about birth control? Or is it, am I overreading that? So the reports are private, so it's hard to know. Um, speculation, <laughs> which is not entirely charitable in the two ex preppers group, is that for one thing, the men see women's concerns as niche, and so they don't belong on the subreddit. That's that's one. Another is that the subreddit ostensibly is supposed to not include politics. Yeah, and so even talking about birth control for this group can count as political because it's a women's issue and it concerns reproductive health. If that is the case, then it's absurd because they're talking about political stuff all the time. I mean, they're talking about Ukraine nonstop. Yeah, like just in the very conversation about whether or not a nuclear strike is going to happen, you're talking about politics. Exactly. But then, you know, I mean, honestly, there is a strong contingent that are just like anti-abortion. <laughs> like, you know, so, so I'm sure that, that that was probably factoring in too. That, that just fascinates me because just imagining, let me put it this way personally, since I've had a child and gone through labor and all of that, the idea of having a child at when there's not doctors available is like absolutely horrifying. And it seems like intrinsic to prepping as a woman <laughs> would be part of... And survival, of course. Yeah, exactly. I think too that there is also a bias against pleasure. So a major a major theme that differentiates the two ex preppers group from the the original one is that the former group, the women's group, is really interested in things that preserve quality of life. <laughs> so that includes the ability to have sex without getting pregnant. It includes entertainment for children, like books, movies, TV. It includes, for example, um, bringing mementos along that are not essential and that the, the male group would recommend leaving behind because it's adding dead weight. <laughs> you know. Um, so there's an entire sort of discourse about how would you cook food that you would actually want to eat in a post-apocalyptic scenario rather than just like cans of spam and cold beans, right? Like, the women's group is much more interested in both in, I think, creating a, a broad sense of community, for one thing, and also in creating a livable existence, even under duress. You know, so so a quote that really stuck out to me was a person who said, like, like, I will never, ever shoot my neighbor for stealing a cabbage. I'll invite them over for cabbage soup and show them how to dig or mulch your weed next month's cabbage. And I'll do that today before it gets to the stage that my neighbors need to steal my cabbage. <laughs> oh, oh. I that person is so, ah, I guess, optimistic, maybe. Is that like what? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm actually really glad you brought this cabbage person up because, well, first of all, that's like one of the best quotes in your piece. It's like so perfect. Second of all, I really want to talk in the next segment about the two kinds of preppers, visions of human nature, and maybe also like a fundamental, like, affective, emotional inclination towards pessimism or optimism. This cabbage person is very optimistic. <laughs> We're going to take a break here. But if you want to hear me and Lily talk about another topic... We're doing a Waves Plus segment, Is This Feminist, after the end of this main uh, show. And today we're talking about whether 
The Empire of Martha Stewart is Feminist. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So I want to sort of talk about the idea of prepping as like a fantasy, a role play, or like a live action role play, a LARP. And this is something that people will like accuse traditional kind of like conservative white male preppers of a little bit like oh they're just like role playing some kind of future world where they're dominant in your piece you quote one poster saying for many men prepping is a fantasy of stepping up to occupy a role that has been all but erased from the modern world and for women on the other hand prepping is a fantasy of not being badly inconvenienced by disasters as we continue in the roles that we're already occupying and so i wonder about that if you could kind of um like flesh that out a little bit more. I feel like in the sort of post-apocalyptic fiction that I've read, not only sort of like the more literary post-apocalyptic fiction, but also I had a short period of time where I got really into reading fiction that's explicitly marketed towards preppers as like a way to kind of read your way through understanding what it is you're supposed to do. And I wrote about it in Slate in 2016. In that kind of fiction, especially, there is a definite fantasy that your worldview is going to be confirmed by what happens after the shit hits the fan. And the the virtues that you may have that may not be like appreciated by the world are going to be appreciated. Like the willingness to be violent and the like sort of like obsessive bean counting of like <laughs> having everything around that you need in sort of like my darkest times thinking about preppers. I definitely have come to come to feel like whether it be this kind of person, like obsessively figuring out what kind of knife everyone in their survival group needs to have and like talking with them about it late at night and like making plans for how they're going to buy those knives and what kinds of guns they're going to have and all that stuff. Or whether it be me thinking through like how much water I would need and like buying like the, you know, the five-year storage containers and (laughs) figuring out where I would put it. I feel like that mindset is like, I don't want to say negative. It's like, definitely pessimistic. And my husband would say, you're thinking about it so much, it makes you like so anxious. (laughs) Like you should stop thinking about it this much. But the two X preppers sound like a little bit like through thinking through these less definitive events that are a little bit more likely to happen in the course of a person's life. They're sort of trying to exercise an optimistic kind of foresight um, or like a community-minded foresight which seems like a totally different thing. What do you think about all that? I love that piece that you wrote 
because it articulates something that is really hard to put your finger on, which is that the profound pragmatism that I think a lot of the preppers think they are engaging in is in fact a fantasy, (laughs) you know, which is such a weird conundrum, right? Like we, we like to think that, um, we like to think that those are different things and they're not. And, and I think that for, you know, the standard prepper to largely believes himself to be apolitical, but there is such a lurking politics to the way that you imagine what will happen in a moment of collapse. So I think that the the fantasy component really is like what that quote that you read is that there will be a return to dominance hierarchies. These fantasies seem very pessimistic, but actually they're not. They're they're in some way about like okay, how will I rise up and assume power once the natural order of things is resumed without the ugly and artificial constraints of civilization which have diluted the way that things really ought to work, which is that men will defend and, well, women, you know, but yeah. <laughs> maybe, they'll, maybe, they'll be, maybe they'll be in charge of the inventory. What you said is exactly right, which is I think that the women presume the civilization is not entirely artificial <laughs> and that there isn't an ugly like nature red and tooth and claw order that is going to immediately come out, at, you know, at a moment of systemic collapse. There will still be the need for child care. There will still be the need for community. Like if you actually want to maximize your chances of survival, (laughs) the pragmatic, the truly pragmatic thinking is not, I'm going to get really good at shooting and I'm going to hide my stash and be antisocial and a lone wolf. It's I'm going to find other people who I can build and rebuild with together. (laughs) Like that's how your odds of survival actually go up. Right. But you need a very specific number. You need 100 to 150, according to one prepper fiction book I read. Ooh, really? And it's a whole tribal fantasy. It's not what two ex-preppers are talking about. I think they're more talking about how to help in your neighborhood, like with the people that you are around, which is like a more humanistic approach. This particular prepper fiction that I'm talking about that was advocating for the building of a, of a, like a neo-tribe is like about finding the best people, which oh, is different. the best people. Yeah. Yeah, right. Like, you know, making sure that everyone who's in the tribe has a function and like a, a skill, an ability in some way. Yeah, which is different. The two, it seems like, sounds like the two ex-preppers are talking more about a mutual aid situation. They are. And I, and I think that the two ex-preppers group are, are, are very insistent on making comparisons to, again, things that happen in everyday life. So there was a post about one person was pointing out that a lot of the, sh- the shit hitting the fan situations that the male preppers are kind of describing as apocalyptic are what growing up in poverty is like for a lot of people. <laughs> now that post got heavily debated. <laughs> so it's not that everyone, it's not that everyone agrees with that, but, but what's interesting is watching these theories float up about like what, what shit hitting the fan actually means and how many people are actually living it right now <laughs> and how it doesn't necessarily require systemic collapse. There are also, you know, on the far, I think, kind of extremist end of calling basically living prepping, like one poster was suggesting that basically almost everything that women do is prepping. So like buying, you know, shoes for your kids that are two sizes too big, that's prepping. Cutting coupons, it's prepping. Even going to brunch with your friends is prepping because that's like, you know, increasing social bonds, which you will need. If uh, things- yeah. <laughs> 
And so, wow, you know, it's sort of, it's interesting to watch like the definition of this be stretched to its limit and to also watch people argue back and say, okay, no, I don't think that actually counts. And I don't think that shopping is intrinsically a prepping activity. Like my friend who buys a bunch of fast fashion is not like well prepared for bad circumstances, you know, but, but these are not conversations that could have happened in the prepper group. <laughs> yeah. And there's something to be said for that. I mean, as I've said before on this podcast, because I like cooking so much, I have basically uh, like cooked myself out of uh, having any help with cooking in my in my house. So I'm in charge of like all the inventory and all the cooking because I really like it and we've adjusted. But the point is the muscles in my brain that I use when I'm like planning ahead for food or also indeed like planning ahead for my child's clothes, which is like a whole like little mini job or, you know, preparing for, you know, going on a trip with a child, especially is like a, like you're wrangling objects and trying to think ahead. And so like, I can kind of see that argument a little bit. I would argue that I think women are very good at inventory. Mm, I think I'm probably going to be saying things that are too gender essentialist for, for words, but I do think that there's something about like the mom knows where things are in the house because she's like paid attention to it a little bit, which is, Maybe not great, but I, I don't know. Do they talk? Do people on Two X talk about whether or not it's gender essentialist to talk that way? They do, yeah. And 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 the, definitely the pushback against the couponing was like, eh. I mean, there are women who are really bad at that too. My grandma was horrible. My mom had zero ability to like, take inventory. You know, like there there were. But I'm actually interested. I want to ask you because having gone down the rabbit holes that you have when it comes to survivalist fiction, like what is the fantasy there? of having enough or having done enough. And what is yours? Oh my God. <laughs> uh, you mean like, what have I actually done? Yeah. Or what do I wish I would do? Or both, yeah. <laughs> okay, so in the kinds of fiction that I was reading, which I have not read any of for a long time, because as I said, it started to give me nightmares once I had a child. But the fantasy is that usually the stories start with the story of the buildup. Like the person has devoted a significant part of their life to being ready for a SHTF event. And they um, are usually like have a pretty good job or or they have found a job that pays enough that they can devote a, a large percentage of their income to this, which is kind of an interesting aspect of prepping in general. Like you do, like if you're really going to do what the sort of mainline people want you to do, you will be paying like thousands of dollars and maybe moving to a different place. Is this like creating a bunker type thing or no? It could be a bunker, but I, I think it's more like um, like moving to a rural place. So there's one prepper writer who's really um, popular who calls it moving to a wide place in the road, like a town with 800 people is like ideal. And so he would advocate that you get a remote job and move there and start to use your money to buy stuff. And then the fantasy is that the event occurs and everyone else around you who's not you like and your people that you have like brought into your like planning group um, basically folds. Um, and what I found really interesting about these books is that and this sort of like vision of the world is that there's only two kinds of people. There's either the people who did the right thing or the people who are just like completely senseless <laughs> with like no idea of what to do. Like nobody else has like any 
food or any way to get water or like even will accept the food or water that's available because they think the government is going to come help them. Like there's no like in-between person who like maybe wanted to prepare but didn't have the money and like or like had a chaotic life and like couldn't plan it out and so is deserving but doesn't have stuff. Everyone either like has stuff and deserves to have it or doesn't have stuff and doesn't deserve it. There's no like in-between really. Yeah, I mean that's socialism. So yeah, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> well, in one of the books, in one of the books that I read, there's literally people who are like cannibals with like the Communist Manifesto, like, and they're in their bags who are killed by the main group for being like horrible cannibal pedophiles or whatever. It's not apolitical in any way. Like basically, like your mindset of being a person who is like continually suspicious of everyday reality and believes that, like as you said, like that this reality is like a cloak laid upon like some seething underworld of like blood and pain. The cloak is ripped off and you're revealed to like have been totally right all along. And that in its own way is like, it's like its own recompense, I think for, for these fantasies. I don't think that I believe that about the world. I don't know. Do you believe that about the world? I sometimes wonder, like, I feel like if you were to completely sign on, so like, basically, my level of prepping right now is just like, I have a bunch of food around the house. And I have just have a lot of extra of like everything that we use a lot. I do not have a backup power system. I wish I did. Like, it would be great to have a backup power system. I do not have like armaments or like a security plan, which is like something that they would say, like, you haven't prepped unless you have a security plan. Um, cause it can all get taken away by whatever neighbor you have who does have one. So in a way it's like, I'm in this in-between space where in order to completely sign on to like that old line, old school, like mainline vision of prepping, you have to believe that the world is like horrible and you have to believe it hard enough that you're willing to devote all of your like income to it, which is like not sustainable on a number of levels for me. So I don't know. Like, I think I'm doing pretty well if you consider pretty well to be like getting to know your neighbors and having a bunch of extra food around. But I'm not doing pretty well if you consider that like the world is going to fall into like a a bloody hellhole like in the, at the next, around the next bend. The conversations I have observed on 2X Preppers have made me think that maybe I am a little bit more legible as a prepper than I would have said I am. I would say that my 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 efforts at, at at preparing are intermittent and chaotic. So for example, I bought like a giant water storage system or barrel, not a system, but like just a big barrel to store water. And just never got around to filling it. So now like it's basically functioning as a potting <laughs> shed in the backyard, you know? Okay, all right. <laughs> like it's just like it's this hmm. Um but but again, like you, right? I do have extra food. I do have the water purifying droplets that I packed into my fire evacuation kit for no good reason. Um, <laughs> you know, a water filtration system. Like I have some things that I've picked up here and there. Cause like, Oh, the wire cutter said this was a good thing. And I'm like, well, that sounds responsible to own, you know, I, I don't know. I have matches that you can light without, I don't know, they're waterproof or something. I have prepped in the fuck off fund mode more than I have in the, like, let's get some guns and think about how you defend your territory mode. But I have found it really interesting and gratifying to see how different communities think about that and to watch, actually, as within this community, there have been further spinoffs. So now there is 
There is a group that's only for women that does exclude men. (laughs) There is a group for queer preppers who are talking about the, you know, their own specific needs, which of course they can't talk about that in the regular preppers forum. You know, how do you talk about hormones? How do you talk about, you know, the specific questions that you would actually need to hammer out if you wanted to be able to like exist in a situation where modern medicine is not available to you? So I'm excited to watch that the category expand and I imagine it will constrict back down. And I think you're right about the cabbage soup lady being, you know, maybe a little optimistic about how things might go. The cabbage soup lady needs to exist. Yeah. Like, that's a good, that's a good lady to have out there. Now, before we head out, we want to give a couple recommendations. All right, Lily, do you want to go first? What are you enjoying right now? What's making life easier for you? <laughs> Okay, well, I am just a crab right now, and I'm not enjoying much of anything, but here is what I am enjoying and what I highly recommend. Because my pet peeve has been that women's sweatpants have become horrible. Like, they have lost (laughs) the delicious inner fleecy soft lining that was the whole reason I loved wearing them. Aw, they're joggers now. I know they're all joggers with that horrible, nubbly, rough, like, interior. It's just, I'm just like, we, we can't even have pockets, and now even our sweatpants are being denuded of the things that made them cozy and delicious. Also, they're insanely expensive for no reason. It's like they got called, they got renamed joggers, and now they cost, I don't know, upwards of $30, $40, $50, when they used to cost eight. More than that. Are you Way kidding, more really? than that. I Way know. more than that. I know. But anyway, so the hack and my recommendation is go to the men's section at Target and they have the most delicious sweatpants for men that are still like $8 or $12. They have the delicious fleecy lining. They have great pockets. They're everything you would actually want sweatpants to be if you want to use sweatpants for what they are for, which is not fashion. It's being cozy and comfortable at home. Okay, that's me. How about you? I love it. All of mine are joggers now and they're very, they're just like interlock. There's like no fuzziness at all. All right. So I'm going to recommend a, a romance, a historical romance show, which is not Bridgerton. It oh. is instead called, I know, <laughs> although I do recommend that too. Um, I'm recommending the show called Sanditon, which is a PBS uh, show that is um, based on an unfinished novel by Jane Austen. So basically, it's the story of a family where the br- one brother in the family is trying to build a beach resort um, on the coast of England. And I think it's like 1840s or something, like everything Jane Austen-y. So they uh, they had to build it out the story out a lot for the for the show because it ends like right when the love interest shows up that her, her novel manuscript ends then <laughs> so all of the specifics all the specifics of you know what happens in the like love story but it has Rose Williams who's the lead actress is really good and has all of the like classic Austin tropes you know the like crotchety older man who she's a governess for and plus also some random rides and hot air balloons which as a fan of visual icons of the early 19th century. <laughs> I'm like a big, a big, a big fan of that. So I do recommend Sanditon. And it's on right now? Like, it's Yeah, um, the second season is, um, is coming out now. Like, I think it's on the third episode of the second season. If you want to kind of like look at the, Engl- at the ocean off the coast of England for a while, I'm, either that or Poldark, you can, <laughs> you can relax into either one of those and your sweatpants. That sounds very, mm-hmm. that sounds like it would relax you and make you less angry about the sweatpants situation. 
Well, that's our show this week. The Waves is produced by Shana Roth, and Shannon Paulus is our editorial director. And we'd love to hear from you. Email us at thewavesofslate.com. The Waves will be back next week. Different hosts, different topic, same time and place. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.